want to start out with uh, this. Other than my wife and my immediate family, I want to give you the top 10 things that have impacted my life the most. Top 10 things besides my family that has really had a tremendous impact on my family. And I'm going to start with number 10 and come all the way down to number one. You ready? You ready? Number 10, blue plate mayonnaise has impacted my life. Especially with potato salad. Number nine, the invention of the TV remote. Because growing up, I was the remote. My parents would ask me, Rob, can you check? Back then, we had four stations, three and 10 and two and nine in Baton Rouge. Rob, get up and change the channel. I hated that job. And then when we broke out and got a TV and it had a remote, oh, it impacted my life. Number eight, the elastic waistband. Definitely has impacted my life, especially after last week. Number seven, men, you're going to love this one, duct tape. Duct tape will take care of anything. We were hunting in Alabama years ago, and we had some folks from Franklin who flew. Ray Robichaux, he flies an airplane and lands it on an old country um, uh, highway where we were. We had our deer camp. And so he lands the plane, and he, he lands it, and he's almost stopped, and he turns the plane, and he clips a railroad sign, and so the end of the wing is dangling. Want to know how he got home to back here to Louisiana? Duct tape. We duct taped the wing back on and he flew back home. True story. Impacted my life. Number six, the Waze app on your phone, W-A-Z-E. It gets you anywhere where you want to go the quickest. Number five, boudin and chocolate milk. For three straight summers working for my dad outside, that was my breakfast Boudin and chocolate milk. Don't knock it till you try it. Number four, waking up in the middle of the night and you realize it's way earlier than you think has impacted my life. Number three, free samples at Sam's and Costco. It's called lunch. Amen. How many of you do that? You go to, uh, you go at lunchtime because you're hungry. Mm -hmm. Number two, banana pudding. Recently, I was in California visiting. Michelle and I were visiting our oldest daughter and her son-in-law, and, and I love banana pudding. <laughs> and there's a place called Magnolia Bakery just not far from their apartment. And we got enough to where I could eat it. Seriously, the next day, I had it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. True story. I love banana pudding. Those of you that make banana pudding, put more vanilla wafers in your banana pudding. Amen? That's a mandate from Rob. Number one, my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that relationship is indeed special, and that's why I'm here tonight. It is by far the most impactful, incredible thing that has happened in my life. And the great news is, is that nothing can take it away from me. There is no depth, no light, no, no, no demon, no, nothing, no, no present, no future can take that relationship away from me. But my relationship with the Holy Spirit wasn't always number one. 
When I got saved, unfortunately, I wasn't taught about the Holy Spirit. Would read about it. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's all over the place, right? Just wasn't taught about the Holy Spirit. I was confused. I was basically illiterate about the topic. You see, I was greatly influenced by the lack of other people's understanding. If they couldn't understand it, well, I can't understand it either. And I fell into that trap. I was just like some people in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 19 and verses 1 and 2, and it's going to be on the screen, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Then he found some disciples, disciples, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, nah, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You see, like me at an early age in my spiritual journey, there are many well-meaning Christians who could say the same identical thing. They're, they're, They're going to churches every Sunday and every Wednesday basically saying, no, I don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. I know very little. If the Apostle Paul were here tonight... His top nine of things that impacted his life might be a little different than mine. But let me tell you, number one was the Holy Spirit in his life. How do I know that? Because he wrote about the power of the Holy Spirit. He ate and he drank and he slept the Holy Spirit. There were riots because of his preaching about the Holy Spirit. He was arrested. He was beaten. He was persecuted because of his stance. He constantly relied on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when you read Acts and other books of the Bible, it's evident. Even the church leaders, he was was establishing churches just like ours. And the church leaders were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They had meetings, they had strategy, they were trying to strategize what to do, where to go, how to do it. And they were totally engulfed in everything that they did, everything, every daily activity that they were around, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? I'm going to quickly give you a list from your Bible that tells about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in these people's lives. Acts says, we are witnesses to these things, so also is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit told me to go with them. The Holy Spirit showed them that there was going to be a famine. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. This is right out of your Bible. They tried to go Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Paul was compelled by the Spirit. It's in your Bible. The Holy, this is Paul speaking. The Holy Spirit tells me in city after city. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God. This is Paul. By what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. I love this one. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Paul says in Corinthians, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Paul says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Are you getting a pattern of what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit? And finally, Paul says the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Based upon, this is just a, a very quick sample. Based upon these scriptures, we can conclude that Paul was literally empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was guided by the Holy Spirit. He had visions from the Holy Spirit. He saw miracles right before his eyes. God used him miraculously. His life wrapped around the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. So my mission tonight is for you to not walk out of here and say, no, I haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. It's my passion tonight and what God put in me yesterday for you to embrace the Holy Spirit, to engage with the Holy Spirit, to understand and, and cultivate a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, to not allow any doctrine maybe that you were taught like me to hold you back tonight. See, like Paul, I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to have signs of miraculous things and you lay hands on people and they get healed. How about that in your life? Would you be opposed to that or would you be in favor of that? See, I want you to walk out of here tonight saying, Rob, I, yes, the Holy Spirit is number one on my list. Not so sure about that banana pudding, Rob, and boudin chocolate milk, but I'm ready for the Holy Spirit. Anybody else ready for the Holy Spirit? Tonight I want to explore a particular role of the Holy Spirit that Paul shares with us in Galatians chapter 5. And I want to say this, that in my opinion, if Paul talks about the Holy Spirit... He's talking from experience, and he knows what he's talking about. And so I ask that tonight you just receive what the Lord would want you to receive about the Holy Spirit and push away any kind of concepts or doctrines or theology that maybe you've been clouded because of other teachings. So tonight I just want to give you a little backstory of who the people of Galatia were, and it might ring true into your ancestors. The book of Galatia was written to the Galatians, or the book of Galatians was written to a group of people from Galatia. It's actually modern-day Turkey. Back then, it was under Roman rule, and one of the names that came forth for this area was Gal or Gaul. You ever heard of uh, the French, um, I think it was a war, uh, Charles de Gaulle? Well, it, it, 
scholars say that any English-speaking descendants or English-speaking people like the Scottish, the Irish, the Welsh, and even uh, people of France, they're speaking to your ancestors. Paul was speaking to them. Many of those nations, the, the people came out of Galatia or Gaul and formed these other, that's biblical scholars tell us that. And so Paul took a missionary journey, took a couple of them to this region, to this area called Galatia. And man, he worked hard. He, he worked night and day, 24-7. He taught them about salvation. He taught them about the Holy Spirit. He worked tirelessly in, in teaching them. So he leaves the region, and immediately once he left the region, he got wind that there were some false teachers who were adding to his teachings, but not the right stuff. In fact, they were mixing law and grace. They were mixing Christianity and Judaism. And so naturally, these people of Galatia were confused. And these people were persecuting Paul, not Galatia, but the, the false teachers. They were coming against Paul. And they were basically saying, hey, people of Galatia, don't listen to Paul. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Law, you got to go under the law. And I'm like, wait a minute, we just heard from Paul that you got to be, you know, grace and Jesus and Christ and salvation. Oh, you can do both. So Paul got wind of this and he pins Galatians particularly in chapter 5. And I want to just go through a few scriptures. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He's telling the people this. He said, it's, you've been freed. Don't listen to these false teachers. Do not let yourselves be burdened, and I love this word, again, by a yoke of slavery. Apparently, when he was there, he noticed that there was some something going on with these people. He says, look, these false teachers are coming against me. They're giving you stuff that you should not be listening to and believing. Don't yoke up again in this bondage of slavery. Understand that you've been set free. In verse 4, he says, you who are trying to be justified by the what? by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So Paul's trying to do his best to say, guys, you got to understand, it's only Christ, it's only salvation, it's only grace. And Paul gives them to an the answer to how to kind of break free from that law to, to that bondage. And it's found in verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I'm sure the Galatians were like, what? Walk in the Spirit, Paul? Dude, what, what are you talking about? What does that mean? And then Paul breaks the news to them, he says, guys, look, there's an internal struggle that takes place inside of every one of us. There's a sinful nature 
And then there's a spirit realm and there's a conflict because it says in Scripture, in verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, the internal struggle, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, if you're walking by the spirit, guess what, guys? You're not under the law. Paul goes on more about this struggle and gives them some things that maybe they've been dealing with about this sinful nature. So Paul exposes this in verses 19 through 21. It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, and the rest of them. And he says, I warn you as I did before. This is the second time I'm, I'm telling you this, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he says, guys, on one hand, you've got this spirit, this, this sinful nature that's struggling with your spirit man. And you're wanting to, to deal with it by law as opposed to handling it by Jesus Christ. And so Paul gives them the other side of the coin. He says, you got this sinful nature. And then look what he says in verses 22 and 23. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, if you walk in the Spirit, there's going to be some fruit that's going to come out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Basically, Paul said, if you want to break free from the law, You've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Amen? And so what I want to do tonight, I'm breaking tradition. I'm going to give you only one point tonight. And everybody said, hallelujah, Rob. Thank you so much. I'm going to give you one point on how to walk in the Spirit tonight. Are you ready for it? Nah. Are you ready for one point on how to walk in the Spirit? I can't give it to you right now. Because I'm not quite sure you're totally convinced about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you still have questions. Maybe you still have a little bit of doubt. So before I give you the one key to learn how to walk in the Spirit, I'd like to give you a biblical principle about you that I think will launch a perspective of the Holy Spirit that maybe you haven't thought about. Or maybe you have, but maybe you haven't thought about it recently. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to listen. Are you ready for the key before we get to the point? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, everybody say spirit, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says you're made of three parts. He says you're made of spirit, soul, and body. Job confirms this, but there is a spirit in man. 
and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. Paul says in Romans, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting the parent, the, the pattern? God is a spirit being and so are we. Jesus even said so in John 4, 24. He says, God is spirit. and Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Job, Paul, and Jesus all basically said the same thing. That there is a spirit being in every one of you that is under the voice tonight. Did you know that? That you are a spirit being? And it is through your spirit that God of the entire creation communicates with you. You see, when we got saved, it's not through our soul and body that it communicates, right? When you got saved, did your body change? Maybe you were hoping for some change, but it didn't, right? Your spirit man came alive on the day that you got saved. Amen? The new creation, which what the Bible talks about, let me tell you, there's something supernatural that takes place in that spirit man in each one of us, not the soul or body. When a person becomes born again, they become brand new in their spirit. Amen? And so I felt like before I give you the key to walk in the spirit, to encourage you about your spirit man. That God loves you so much that he gave you a spirit and he's it's an avenue for him to talk to you and so i ask again are you ready for the one point tonight on how to walk in the spirit are you ready for it well i'm about to give it to you amen one point on how to walk in the spirit and you're going to go really in fact, I would write this down because it spoke to me when I saw it. The one key to walking in the Spirit, here we go. It's to learn to recognize when you're no longer walking in the Spirit. When I read that, I said, that's it. No other points tonight, Lord. To learn how to walk in the Spirit is simple. You just got to learn how to recognize when you're not walking in the Spirit. Like when you're frustrated, you've got to recognize you're not walking in the Spirit. When you're aggravated with the children and you want to shoot each one of them, you're not walking in the Spirit. When you're angry, you've got to learn how to recognize you are not, and I am not walking in the Spirit. When you're always blaming other people for your life, you're not walking in the Spirit. When you're impatient, when you're flying off the handle, when your little girl, your cute little girl takes lipstick and colors the wall 
and you're flying off that. You're not walking in the Spirit. When there is no fruit of the Spirit like joy and peace, you're not walking in the Spirit. When you seem to always be on edge, guess what? You're not walking in the Spirit. Maybe you're just mad all the time. you got to learn how to recognize when that comes up. When you find it hard to gain friends or keep friends, you got to recognize maybe you're not walking in the Spirit. Maybe you're at odds with your husband or your wife. Hmm, I woke up some people tonight. You've got to learn when you're at odds with each other. Your marriage is not walking in the Spirit. Amen? How many married couples do we have? Are you getting a little uncomfortable right now? I am. No self-control. When, when it's hard to extend love, you're not walking in the Spirit. And so I just got a question for you. If you're frustrated, if you're aggravated, if you're mad, if you're flying off the handle, if you're angry, if you're struggling, no self-control, no joy, no peace, here's the question. How's it working for you? Listen, sometimes I know, sometimes a text message or a phone call or lack of a phone call will set us off. Amen? A conversation that you have with your spouse can take you from the umbrella of walking in the Spirit. And so the point is, is that we simply have to ask the Holy Spirit to show us when we're not walking in the Spirit. Paul encouraged the Galatians to not conform to the old law. He could have left it alone. He had just been there. I don't know what the duration was or whenever he was there and then he left. But he says, no, 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 I got, I got to handle this. I got to write him a letter. Let me tell you, there's a conflict between our flesh and our spirit. And when your flesh wins out, your spirit, man, is dead and it's dormant. Oh, it comes alive when we're at church. But what happens on the way home? Or the other days of the week that you're not here? It's easy to be in the Spirit here, amen? So instead of walking in the Spirit, I know a lot of people, including me, sometimes walk in frustration, anger, bitterness, no joy, no peace. So we've got we've to be able to recognize when we're not walking in the Spirit. And I just got to let you know that there's another way to that frustration. My objective tonight is to not to make us feel bad. It's just to reveal that maybe some of us are undernourished. Maybe we're malnourished by the quantity and the quality of our interaction with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Can I get a big amen right there? Maybe you haven't discovered how to walk in the Spirit because there's just simply a deficiency. Well, let me tell you, you're not alone because there's many well-meaning Christians who are losing out on a vibrant, 
active, loving, peaceful relationship, and that's with the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately, many people just skip over that relationship. They hear messages. They read about the Holy Spirit in Joel, in Job, in Acts, in Romans. But they just simply gloss over it. And so I want to let you know that after Jesus gave His disciples a tutorial about who the Holy Spirit would be in their lives, He went to Gethsemane. He was arrested. He was brought before the courts. He was crucified. And He rose from the grave. And after the resurrection and before He ascended, in fact, we said it in the one of the songs tonight. Jesus had a one-on-one -on -one moment with His guys. And Scripture says that He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you guys, if you want freedom, that's what He was telling His guys. If you want to walk in freedom, if you want joy, if you want peace in your marriage, in your relationships, maybe at your work, co-workers, maybe relatives, moms and dads, grandparents, if you want to walk in freedom, he said, you need the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus doesn't want you to become happy. He wants you to become filled with the Holy Spirit. And tonight, we're going to wake up some dormant spirit man's in here. Jesus did not intend for his followers to settle for natural possibilities. Instead, he intended his followers to do what is naturally impossible in their life because of the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. You see, walking in the Spirit is a supernatural journey. Do we get it right all the time? No. But what happens is we tend to get hung up about the Holy Spirit, about what happened in Acts on the day of Pentecost, and think the only thing that the Holy Spirit does, was He was a mighty rushing wind, and that's it. Jesus tells us in John in chapters 14 through 16, that he was the comforter. He was the spirit of truth. He's our connection to our father. He's our teacher. He's our convictor. And I want to let you know that tonight there is no joy without the Holy Spirit. There is no peace without the Holy Spirit. There is no vision for you and your spouse without the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. There is no kindness without the Holy Spirit. There is no self-control without the Holy Spirit. There is no love without the Holy Spirit. And there is no marriage without the Holy Spirit. Too many marriages are falling apart because of this principle right here. Rather than walking in the Spirit, 
They walk in with boxing gloves. You're in one corner and your spouse is in the other corner. Ding, 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 ding. Let's go at it because that's how we resolve conflict rather than walking and realizing and recognizing that we have to walk in the spirit whenever those temptations come in. Listen, the divorce rate in the Christian world is just as equal to what's out there in the world. And if moms and dads, husbands and wives would grip this and and take this principle and learn it and and work on it and keep working on it and keep working on it, this is not a one-night message. This is a daily message for me. That's all I'm going to tell you, okay? But if we would grab hold to this concept that we, if we want a better marriage, better relationships, we're going to have to learn how to walk in the Spirit. And let me give you a great example. Just the other day, Michelle and I were, we hadn't talked about anything and, and I forget what it was about, but I said, baby, I said, I think we need to do this. She goes, Oh, the Holy Spirit told me earlier today. That's what happens when you're both walking in the spirit. Now, do we get it right every day? No. But when you're walking in the spirit, you're one, not two individuals in a marriage. Amen. I'm getting on a high horse right now because God told me today to talk about marriages a little bit. Because we're suffering, we're hurting, and we don't know how to deal with it. Oh, we'll go to other people about our problems, but by golly, our word tells us that if we want to stay away from the conflict, we've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. And so what does that look like? The next time you and your spouse are kind of getting close, you know what I mean? The boxing gloves are almost tied up. Somebody, especially the spiritual head of the home, which is the man, it is your role to say, we're not walking in the spirit. Try it. And I'm telling you, a peace like no nothing else is going to come on you and your spouse. Now, you may need some help further down the line to know how to navigate through that, right? But if you just say, we're not walking in the spirit, Watch what's going to happen. Maybe a coworker at work. Privately, you can say, I am not walking in the spirit with my boss right now. I want to shoot him for not giving me off next weekend. But you're going to have to say, you know what? I'm going to walk in the spirit right now and take the high road. Amen. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? That we are damaged good sometimes because that's what Satan wants us to think. Man, I could go off on a tangent right here, but I am, I can't. But you know what? Satan has a job. His scheme is to destroy people and to take us down and to take our lives down, our relationships down, to get us frustrated, to get us angry all the time and not walking in the spirit. We have a Holy Spirit who is ready and able to help us. Who is getting warm in here, Pastor Kelly? Listen, when you become spiritually sensitive... It will be easier for you to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as you allow him and you, and you live to please God to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to tonight. I want my spirit man to come alive. I want this to become a habit. In fact, the word walk, what Paul said, it's a Greek word. Peripiteo. Not mashed potatoes, but peripiteo. 
P-E-R-I-P-A-T-E-O. It's a compound word. Peri, we get our word perimeter. It literally means to walk in a circle like this is my arena and I'm not going to walk any place else. I'm just going to continue to walk the same path. And Bible scholars say it's as if you walk in the same path with blindfold on and you just keep walking and walking and walking. That's what the word walk means. It means it becomes a daily habit of walking in the spirit. It means you get up walking in the spirit. You go down Ambassador Caffrey in the spirit. Praise God. You go to work in the spirit. You go to lunch in the spirit. And you come home to your spouse in the spirit and to your children. Amen. I know I'm getting on a high horse, but the Lord prompted me today to speak a little bit about marriages. And I have a perfect example of someone who walked in the spirit. And that's Miss Gail Miller. We're going to honor her tomorrow and Friday. Was she perfect? No. But I'm telling you, like I know, I've known that lady for many, 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 many years. And just like many of you, you've been affected. You've been, you've been blessed by her presence in your life. Maybe she's spoken words over you. You know why she was, you know why she spoke words over you? It was because of the Holy Spirit telling her to. She walked in the Spirit every day of her life. She was our receptionist. Never saw her frown. Never saw her get upset. Why? Because she walked in the Spirit. And I asked Pastor Brandon yesterday if I could use her. He says, by all means, use her as an example. That lady, even till the last day, walked in the Spirit. You know how I know? Because she had the fruit of it. She had joy. She had peace. She had a gentleness about her, self-control, except at playing Catan. But what an example to us and to many of you. Amen? Listen, I've come to realize in life, in the spiritual life, that God's intentions for us is to go far beyond salvation. It's not good enough for us just to stop at being saved. Yes, the reality and the, just the comprehension of what Jesus did for us, it's awesome, isn't it? It's wonderful. But a place in heaven is only the beginning of what God wants to do in us. Wow. I want to tell you this, that we cannot cut short what God has established. The Holy Spirit is not a third-string quarterback that comes in and mop-up duty when the score is out of reach. If we want more of Jesus in our lives, if we want more of the Holy Spirit in our marriage, we're going to have to learn how to, how to have a closer communion with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Don't forget, you're a, you got a spirit man inside of you. God, God is calling you higher. He wants you to leave the life of deficiency to be in a life of sufficiency. I just made that up on the spot. Hallelujah. Hashtag that. 
That's good. He wants you to leave a life of deficiency to lead a life of sufficiency in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Listen, when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you recognize when you're not walking in the Spirit, this is what He's going to do. He's going to give you a gentle, loving nudge. Uh, Rob, you, you, you're a little harsh right there. That's what He's going to do. He's not going to come behind you and give him a, 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 a slap behind the head. He's going to give you a gentle nudge and say, hey, your actions aren't lining up right here. Hey, you're, 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 you seem to be mad all the time at your kids. Hey, you're, you seem to be upset because your husband's socks are on the floor. Ooh. <laughs> or he may say, you know what? You, you didn't handle that situation just right. He may even say, you know that extra income you got? You didn't report it to the IRS. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do for you if you ask Him to help you recognize when you're not walking in the Spirit. Amen? Let me tell you, there, there's, there's so much at stake. People are watching every move you make. Do you realize that? Your children, your co-workers, your spouse, your neighbor, they're watching every move you make. When you and I take hold of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, can I tell you what it will do? Put up that scripture, Doug. Luke 21. It will lead to an opportunity of your testimony. You see, God's got a, he's got a, a bigger plan than you. You're just a little piece of the puzzle. Amen. So receive in your heart tonight to make the path of the Holy Spirit the place where you want to live, where you want to breathe, where you want to work, where you want to function. Don't let it be an occasional visit by the Holy Spirit when something's going bad. The Holy Spirit is not a gift card that you get, you know, at Christmas and you put it in your wallet and you forget about it. And about three years later, you, oh, uh, there's a gift card. Uh, let me pull it out. That's not the role of the Holy Spirit to just be pulled out. Jesus bled drops of blood so that you could have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He was beaten to a pulp until he was unrecognizable by his own mother so that you could walk in the Spirit. Did you know that? He was nailed to a cross and humiliated in a public setting so that you could have something more than salvation.
And so that you would not be, like the Galatians, burdened down again with a yoke of slavery, with no peace. Jesus was offered a narcotic when he was on the cross. It was called gall, G-A-L-L. To take the edge off, he said no. He did that so that you can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and be his representative and be a testimony to other people around you. Did you know that? Many people are walking around, they have no clue what Jesus did for them. They're not acting like it. They're not talking like it. Oh, they're coming to church and they're raising their hands, but that's about it. So I have a question for you. If you want your life to continue as is, it's okay. I can't change that for you. But if you want to be empowered tonight, we're going to have an altar call and we're going to lay hands on people. And let me tell you, tonight the spirit man is going to come alive in some people in this auditorium tonight. There is something inside of me that is just got, it's got to come out, brothers and sisters, amen, that I don't want you to leave here saying, I didn't know about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that I had a spirit man. Maybe you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak with the evidence of tongues. Maybe you just want more of an empowerment in your life. You're already speaking in that language. But you feel like your spirit man has been a little dormant. I want to pray over everyone that comes up to this altar. In fact, if that's you, just make your way to the altar right now. If your spirit man is dead, I want you to get up here because we are going to have an altar call like never before. If you want your marriage to walk in the spirit, get up here right now. I'm not trying to coerce you to come down here, but there is power in agreement when hands are laid on people. We see it. The miraculous took place, and it's nothing that I do, but it's what happens in the supernatural realm. And I hope tonight that you understand that you are a spirit being. And God wants to literally awaken your spirit man inside of every one of you. It's going to be quick. It's not going to be anything lengthy. But there's something that happens when people get hands laid on. It happened to me. I got called into the ministry because somebody laid hands on me and prayed over me because I was looking for a job. God set me up. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God is ready to meet you. He wants you to walk in the Spirit and not walk in frustration. He wants your marriage to walk in freedom. He wants your spirit man.
to just simply be awakened with the empowerment of his spirit. And so, do you think Paul knew what he was talking about? Because it's all over scripture. The spirit led me, the spirit told me, I had visions, I laid hands on people. How many of you want that kind of life? To walk in the Spirit so that when you pray for people, they get filled with the Holy Spirit, they get healed, they see visions. It's nothing that I do, it's nothing that I say, but it's by my by God's Spirit that moves on your spirit, amen? His Spirit is ready to communicate with you and to literally let it come alive in you. And so I'm just going to walk very quickly and just say a few words over each one of you. It's not going to be lengthy, but I believe, just close your eyes right now. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe that God wants to breathe in your lungs like we sang earlier. God wants to do a miraculous in you. He wants to have you to see visions. He wants you and your spouse to be on the same page about everything. When it comes to finances, when it comes to making decisions like buying a car or maybe getting a home, he wants you to be on the same page. And the only way that your marriage can do that is when you are walking in the spirit together. Amen. Now you may be single. You may be here by yourself. God wants you to be filled and for you to walk in the spirit so that you can carry it to the next generation. Maybe you have children. Maybe you have grandchildren. He wants you to walk in the Spirit at your work. He wants you to walk in the Spirit maybe with your neighbor. So maybe you're tired of frustration. Maybe you're tired of flying off the handle. Maybe you're tired of no peace, no no, no, no life, no joy. God wants to resurrect that in you. Amen. Those of you that are out there, if you wouldn't mind just reaching out with your hands and just begin praying, praying for these that are up here, that God would would somehow ignite in these to walk in the Spirit.